Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which includes Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Welcome, Jorna. Good morning, Matt. Oh, it's always good to have you. And Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Uh, good morning, everyone. And Jorna, I hear nonprofit consultant is one of the fastest growing job classifications. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the ambiguous nonprofit yeah. consultant. And we're off and rolling. So uh, we have a number of uh, things that we want to uh, roll through today, but we're going to start by. I guess you could call it a wrap-up of the legislature, although it's not fully done. But um, last week when we uh, last spoke, we mentioned uh, all a number of the devastation that happened on Tuesday night in the Assembly. But it, it's worth pointing out that uh, they also got together again on Thursday. Uh, both of those sessions went well into the night. As uh, we mentioned, uh, last week, Tuesday went till 2 to 12 in the morning. And then uh, Thursday, they well, they wrapped it up early at 1 a.m. Uh, Friday morning. But again, um, more essentially just ramming tons of bills through, not a whole lot of thought, and trying to get off to uh, election season. Um, so I don't know. Any, uh, any thoughts from the panel on, I know, Jorna, you're... You want to send out an immediate red flag about this. This legislature's yes. work is not done. I'm I'm skeptical of <laughs> the uh, legislature. Shockingly, I know. I appreciate that they needed to ram through hundreds of bills and get them to the governor's desk because the very important campaign season and fundraising season is upon them, and not a moment too soon to start shaking down lobbyists for contributions. Um, However, I would like to caution people that they did not adjourn sine die, which means that they can come back into session pretty much to wreak some more havoc on Wisconsin as they see necessary in the coming months, you know, where we could see things like implementation dates of bills that were passed be moved up so that, you know, inaction wasn't 2017, but 2016, or if other um, missteps in their oversight wait, seem wait, to have happened. <laughs> wait, when you say that, are you referencing potentially, for example, like the voter registration, voter registration bill, bill? And will they make uh, special deputies immediately? Maybe right. not valid. Right. So we have we have until about May because they say that they wouldn't implement before um, any later than I'm sorry, any sooner than a six month period before an election. That gives us until May. Right to implement the voter registration um, ban as it really is on special registration deputies. So, you know, it's not an effect, but there are things they can still do. And we know our legislature and we love them well. Well, they certainly have shown they could uh, blow into town for a day, uh, stay up all night, have a, a late night party and roll back out of town, Robert. Well, hypocrisy is always in season sure. when it comes to our legislature. And here we have a group of people that think that the reason we have folks on food stamps is, is that they're not working hard enough to find jobs. And they're drug addicts. Right. Well, and the drug and drug addiction is not a disease. It's a, it's a moral failing. Uh, and believe, says the worst, most awful things about low-income people and, of course, in coded racial terms. But now they literally think it's okay to make what is individually for a member of the state assembly uh, around the household median income in Wisconsin, right, for a whole household, not just an individual, and not work most of a year. 
Now they'll say, oh, they're busy in the in, in their districts fact-finding and learning about <laughs> things so they can develop all this excellent legislation that has nothing to do that's, with their districts. That's a good doing. one, Robert. So they pay themselves to reelect themselves. I mean, think about that. And we have a full-time legislature. And by the way, it's very fascinating that uh, when conservatives were out of power, they'd yelp that we shouldn't be one of the 10, I think it is, Jordan, full-time legislators. Nine or 10, something like that, eight, nine, 10. And not very many, most of them aren't. And so, but of course, once they have power and have these jobs, gee whiz, that goes away. And so I don't want people to be cynical. I want people to expect better. And it would be good to have professional legislators that were actually working on things like the fact I'll just throw one thing out, not things such as let's go after the most trusted health care provider for women in the country, Planned Parenthood. That's what's been on their agenda, right? But how about the fact that we have uh, lost almost entirely middle class and upper income jobs during the Great Recession and we have replaced them, the only gaining jobs are poverty wage classifications. What do this, this group of geniuses have to say about that? And what is their fact-finding turning up? Look, I think Jorna and... You're, you're absolutely right to point out that we should expect potentially for them to go back uh, and, and and do more mischief-making. To do their jobs. It to, would be nice. Well, yeah. unfortunately, I mean, look, you point out the, the, the voter registration. This is a big issue. It is for us at Citizen Action. We've mentioned that um, we we think uh, it's very important to, to do registration in the state, and, and particularly in communities where it's harder to access voter registration and where you have more uh, uh, folks moving around. So we've talked about this before. We're very interested in doing significant voter outreach this year, but this is the kind of legislation that could impact that and can change things uh, quickly uh, in, in an important presidential year. Well, and that's exactly it, Matt. In an important presidential year, they want the option to come back in to pass message bills that are going to support their nominee yeah. or that are going to feed into the U.S. Senate race or anything that they can do that will be yet another bully pulpit to pass bad legislation or to try and shape the debate around the presidential election. Yeah, yep. Robert? Well, and the agenda shouldn't... We know what the agenda is. They're, they've they've, they've uh, gotten through everything that the special interests that fund their campaigns wanted done, right? And any other things they wanted for political purposes, as Jorna pointed out. Yeah, I'm not saying they should all be passing 100 more bills, okay? In fact, we'd rather <laughs> not have that happen. <laughs> no. But no. since most of them, the majority, doesn't seem to understand how the economy actually functions and actually seems to think that taking money out of people's pockets is going to help create prosperity when, in fact, it simply drives small business into the ground across the state. Maybe if they just had hearings about our economic crisis, a lot of them, and listened to experts, maybe they could learn to do their jobs and actually start to create an economy where, where people actually could start to have a, a real shot at the American dream again. I'm sorry, you said listening, Robert. Speaking of listening, Matt, <laughs> there was a legislator that didn't want to listen this week, wasn't there? Yes, and, and uh, we, we have to talk about Representative Bernier. And in order to have that conversation, we are going to have a special guest with us. So, yeah, we are really uh, happy to have former state representative Jeff Smith with us. And, uh, Jeff, thanks for uh, taking the time to join us today. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate uh, giving me an opportunity to uh, to be part of the show today. So, Jeff, 
We have you on for two reasons. We'll get to the second, our uh, new cooperative that you're working on in Eau Claire. But the first reason, this this topic uh, popped up this week with Representative Bernier, Bernier excuse me, uh, leaving, or we should say just walking out of a of a uh, uh, an event with local school board members, and uh, basically describing uh, the the comments that were going on as vile and partisan, um, and and just walking out. Is this is this unusual? Uh, you've I assume participated in these when you were a state representative. I, we were very curious for your thoughts about this uh, this incident. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was shocking. It was really shocking. As, uh, as a representative, um, I really took to heart the word representative, as I know almost all persons who are elected should and do take that to heart and the true definition, which means you're, you're obligated to, to maybe make your case when you have to defend your position and certainly listen to the other side of things. And and take notes, um, bring it back to your office, and use um, what you hear to have to uh, formulate your your votes and your opinions when you are before either before the big the larger body of the assembly. It's just unbelievable what we just saw happen here in the Chippewa Valley with with Ms. Bernier. I, it makes me think that. She may definitely be in the wrong place for her. Public service may not actually be for her being a representative of her constituency. And, and Jeff, for our listeners, now this is a, a regular gathering, school board members and then state legislators come to essentially hear from them as to uh, what their concerns are. Is, is, is that correct? Yes, that's right. And it's um, in her district, um, there, there certainly are a few smaller school districts that she represents, but the large ones are Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls, and Altoona, and, and we always regularly had meetings with them. Uh, the school board members as well as administrators would take part in. And, and the offensive, vile comment was comparing Minnesota to Wisconsin and how Minnesota incarcerates half the number of people and therefore has more money for schools and has better economic results, this was considered vile and caused Representative Bernier to leave. Is that, is that right? That's, that's right. That's, in fact, I remember reading it the next morning and looking deeper and reading further and reading it again, thinking I was missing something because I expected to see maybe someone called her a name or um, something that might actually truly be vile, but actually having to hear a difference of opinion. Um, I don't know, uh, Robert, you may be able to tell me better, but I have not, I don't think anyone's used the word vile to describe that sort of situation before. No, it's a unique definition. And <laughs> <laughs> she she also said that rural districts were more were much better because they would accept that there was no money and just talk about constructive solutions uh, uh, to work within the framework. So in other words, it's vile to suggest that a state legislator has any role in deciding what funding is for schools. That's that'd be my interpretation here. Yeah, and in her actual behavior, I, I just have to use this analogy. It reminds me of a petulant child. When, because uh, my 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 wife is a teacher, and today she happens to be in parent-teacher conferences for 12 hours. And it reminds me of a child whose parents come home from parent-teacher conferences, and 
and uh, and wants to have a wants to have a sit down talk about why she may be failing in her English class, and she jumps up, runs into her room, slams the door, and screams, "You're picking on me, and I'm not coming out until you until you choose to not talk about that issue." You know, it's it's uh, it's, it's it's so bizarre for someone who's supposed to be representing everyone. Well, Jeff, as you point out, perhaps the role of public servant isn't exactly the the right place for Miss Bernier. And I, you know, we may have an opportunity in the fall to to show her another option for her career path. You know, she she said that she only wanted to talk about things that were on the agenda. So apparently we can use rankings against other states when it works in favor of the Republican talking points. But the minute that in any way we are talking about something that is not on their shortlist for message points of the day, then that is vile political speech coming from nonpartisan members. And she was, quote, just ticked off. This is ridiculous. We have to expect better. And I, I would think the good people of Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls, and Altoona can see through this and can show her other opportunities in the future. Well, I certainly hope so. And, and one thing I'm proud to see was our local media have not given her a pass on this at all. Um, it's, it's certainly not been uh, in her favor the way it was the way it has been portrayed, and that's that's a good thing. And hopefully, voters will see through that and understand that elections do have consequences. They really do. And to have representation that refuses to um, explain or at least argue their their viewpoint or their side of things and just run out of the room instead, um, that that has to tell you a lot. Personally, I got to tell you, as a former legislator and, and all of the um, activities I've been a part of, including campaigning, where I have such an open door policy, stand out on the on the corner and, and actually ask anybody to stop and talk to me because I want to hear what they have to say. Um, it's really personally frustrating because what you hear too often these days is you're all alike. So this so this sort of behavior reflects on everybody who has and is. Um, a public servant, and we, and I would think that it's something that we would all want to, um, somebody like her to step out or get out, get out of the way and quit giving such a bad impression to the public. So one other quick thing about Representative Bernier, I think people should understand that she was considered when she was elected potentially one of the more open members, potentially, who had actual government experience. She was a city or county clerk. I believe, so she had election experience. Then she became chair of the election committee. There was a lot of hope from people like the League of Women Voters that are very constructive, that she would uh, be an be someone who might help with these attempts to make voting much harder, like photo ID, uh, like absentee voting, and, and, and uh, other things such as residency requirements. And she has done none of those things, and she has shepherded through attempts which, in, in effect, uh, uh, disenfranchise people for political purpose. So she has already uh, damaged her reputation, I think, as, a, as any kind of person, a legislator that, that represents the people. She's just a, an ideological hack, and that's what's clear right here in this incident. She certainly has, Robert. And, and you know, and if you're not aware, I happen to have been the uh, previous chair of elections and campaign reform in the legislature, and I was, boy, I, I just can't tell you how disappointing it is that a, that a former clerk has uh, run that 
uh, that committee the way she has. And I guess what what you can say in bottom line is that this is um, further further proof of the dangers of gerrymandering, and when we where we truly lose lose real representation, where we are snubbed because there's no risk in their mind of ever losing their position, so they don't need to answer or to listen to um, opposition. So it's uh, it's it, we are in a we are in a very um, treacherous position right now in the state of Wisconsin, and voters need to to uh, stand up and be aware that they can no longer vote based on what legislators choose them to vote for. Well, and I'm glad you uh, brought up the election. Let's uh, let's be honest. This is a very critical election season, and uh, while certainly gerrymandering has played a role, this is a seat that can be changed. And um, it, it has been democratic in the past. And uh, Jeff, you are also up there leading an effort that may play a role uh, this fall in that election. And uh, we have talked about it on the podcast before that um, we have a amazing uh, organizing cooperative here in southeastern Wisconsin. And it is currently under expansion, and you are leading that effort up in the Eau Claire area, and that is to build a uh, another cooperative in that region. And uh, why don't you give us an update? Uh, you have amazing, <laughs> some very exciting news about how that project is going. Yeah, it's uh, it's growing uh, every hour, it seems. Uh, it, it, although, it's in my, from my view, of course, it's, it seems like a turtle, but it, we have a 60-day drive we're in the midst of uh, uh, finding members, and we are in day 34 and have 130 uh, officially uh, signed up. So we have a big event tonight in Menominee. We've, I've been through Buffalo County and, and Barron County and Chippewa County and Dunn County and Eau Claire County. We, we're, we're really covering this region pretty well, and as I'm sure you have discussed before in your podcast, this is a really exciting endeavor to overcome some of the big money that has basically ruled our politics for a long time. This is, a, this is an opportunity for people to put in a small amount, $20 a month, to actually be a part of something, to actually own the cooperative and have a voice and a vote and not feel like they're just actually, if they volunteer for something, they're just being told what to do from somebody who may be making those decisions a long ways away. So I am really excited. I know that it's going to happen by March 21st. That's the end of our drive. We're going to be over 200 members, and we're going to be rolling. And in that period of time between then and November, we're going to be um, taking actions to help influence voters and remind voters of what um, they should expect from public officials and from uh, the people they elect. So we have a lot of listeners up in the Eau Claire area, and if uh, some of them are so foolish as to not have signed up with you, Jeff, how, if they're listening to this and they're like, holy shit, I need to call Jeff immediately. I need to get in touch with Jeff. How do they get in touch with you? Well, you know, I'm not afraid to give out my phone number. I, that's how this happens, uh, one-on-one, and able to explain and talk about it. So I can, I can give, you my, give them my email, which is jeff.smith at citizenactionwi.org, or they can, they can give me a call, 715-579-9811. 
I'd love to be able to sit down and talk about it, explain the whole process of how it's going to work, and to, to remind them that no one's signing a contract when they pledge to, to be a member of the co-op. They are able to leave at any time that they feel like they aren't being served or hopefully actually the other way around. I'd love to actually uh, entice them to invite friends and uh, sign more pledges up because this is, this is going to be a growing cooperative, especially in our part of the state. We hope to have several of these by the end of the cup within the next year or two. Well, Jeff, we appreciate you taking the time to come on. We really encourage uh, our listeners out there to get in touch with you if you are in the western Wisconsin region. Uh, thanks a lot, Jeff. Thank you, Matt. So we are going to transition from uh, state level uh, to tracking uh, some federal news. And uh, the big thing that's happening right now is around the Supreme Court nomination of the president. And this week, there was uh, a dust-up, uh, a lot of news around this as it relates to our state, or to our U.S. Senate seat. And that is our Senator Ron Johnson um, uh, today, or Wednesday, had a press conference where he uh, responded to new polling that said 62% of Wisconsinites believe we ought to uh, nominate and uh, appoint a Supreme Court nominee this year. However, Senator Ron Johnson is unmoved. In fact, he uh, he suggests we ought, we ought to just move on from this topic. Jorna, why don't we just move on? Uh, why don't you get us started with the next topic? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's just not even talk about this. You know, lame duck Obama here doesn't have any power as president for the next, oh, wait, what is it, nine months, yeah. ten months yet? This is ridiculous. Yep. There is no precedent for doing this. This is Republican posturing. I would like to point out, though, however, Wisconsinites a little schizophrenic. The um, public policy poll that you say where 62% of Wisconsin voters want to see it filled also had a finding that 76% actually want to find out who the nominee is first, and then they'd like to move forward. So we're, we're kind of across the board, but that's no reason that we shouldn't fill this essential vacancy. And I'm pretty sure that whoever the president puts forward will be an outstanding impartial justice so look we know they're going to exercise their power uh period yeah. but we should point out what this means so they like to talk about how they're originalists that they like judges they like legislators who interpret the constitution as originally intended as if james madison actually could have first of all conceived of 21st century society and as if even if he could have, he would have been like these people. I mean, come on, the founding fathers were progressives, okay? And the people who were like uh, modern Repo conservatives in the U.S., they were the ones with the, that side with the crown and talked about, talked about how important it was to, to, to believe in God and country, and they meant another God and country, okay? So, look, it's, it's absurd. The Constitution is really clear that the, this, the president has this authority throughout his term, there's no lame duck provision of the U.S. Constitution, okay? And we're not talking about the month before, the week before. Are you sure about that? I'm very sure. Okay. And right, I, let I, me go I, check I'm sure phone. Justice Scalia, with his brilliant judicial mind, would have found it. It is a bit ironic that the person who was the ultimate in finding original cause for an ideology, because that's what Justice Scalia's brilliance was, um, is now caused this sort of, uh, sort of thing. But it's true, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that the U.S. Senate has to be rational or reasonable or farsighted or, or anything. So they can refuse to hold uh, confirmation hearings and they can refuse to give their consent and advise and consent for any reason. 
And so they're going to exercise that power. Is it based in the Constitution? Is it based on anything other than petty politics? No. Will it have a good result? Well, right now, if you want to look at what's going on in the presidential race, they're simply guaranteeing that either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump will get to make the appointment. Not sure they'll like either result. And in fact, I would argue since President Obama will make a more consensus appointment in order to try to, you know, to, to try to make it possible for confirmation, that that will not happen with either either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Yeah, no, I mean, I think what what's most important this week, right, you get this poll, you get this building where it's very obvious where the public's at, and they take this bizarre position that they really think we ought to wait to find out where the public's at when it's like, okay, we get... We get what you're talking about. Oh, and Johnson brings up his wonderful mandate from 2014. In fact, we ought to maybe maybe we'll play a clip of Johnson's comments. They were quite um, unimpressive, but essentially tries to make the comment that somehow the Senate uh, had this great mandate in 2014, as if the 2012 presidential mandate was nothing. Well, furthermore, <laughs> you'd think we lived in a parliamentary system where you have to wait for a, you know the the public to, to to vote and see whether they still approve of the current coalition government. I mean, so apparently only the next election matters. And by the way, I challenge anyone to find one example of conservatives in our country choosing not to do something they want to do because they wanted to wait for the voters at the next election. Every day. Uh, can, can we talk about mandates then, federal mandates that Go are for happening? It, so um, our, our good friend, we're getting to my favorite part of the, por- the show. Oh, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch. How could Paul Ryan possibly be attached to Ron Johnson? (laughs) Well, Paul Ryan (laughs) is trying to create his own conservative agenda mandate that conservatives will have this public policy agenda that they will that he's been working on for over a decade since he's been an elected official in Congress, and now he's the speaker. But he's running into another giant mandate, <laughs> a brick wall of a mandate. It's Donald Trump. A, a brick wall with some charming hair of a mandate <laughs> <laughs> who really stands in opposition to so much of what Paul Ryan has been trying to do that it's so fascinating to watch. And that could be their nominee. Oh. God, this shit well, show is getting better I, by the day. Lindsey Graham says he's not a real Republican. Well, how does Lindsey explain what real Republican voters are doing? Because right. as Donald says, he keeps on winning. He's winning so much, it's oh, unbelievable. All he does is win, 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 no matter Let what. Let me tell you about the winning we're doing here. So, yeah, no, he's won Nevada. He's winning South Carolina. He's steamrolling. They obviously were, were getting a little bit more dropout on the other side. So, Trump and, or so Rubio and they're Cruz figuring are, out if the Rubio get, bot can be gotten to the front of the line but somehow. Let's face it, Trump is near 50% <laughs> yeah. in these things. We're getting to the point where it doesn't matter if they uh, coalesce. And, Jorna, you were absolutely right to bring out that Paul Ryan is. You know, we've talked about it on Paul Ryan Watch, how he's met the Freedom Caucus and just the power of the Freedom Caucus. Um, And Trump is taking full advantage of that. Um, I was uh, thinking of you when I watched a tweet from Paul Ryan yesterday where he, yeah, he uh, talked. Glad that you think of me when you think of Paul Ryan. He tweeted at Jorna. I I, I feel almost sometimes when he tweets, he's tweeting at Jorna, just preparing you for, for, uh, for the Thursday podcast. But he basically uh, was sort of saying how we need to, us Republicans, we need to be positive and stop being the opposition party and blocking things. And I'm like, 
Wait a minute. Didn't you launch with the Obamacare vote? Right? Like, aren't you right now talking about blocking the world? What? just unbelievable and then he goes on Megyn Kelly and Megyn Kelly is just tearing into him and basically accusing him of being responsible for Trump's rise because of how poorly he's doing on actually delivering quote conservative or freedom caucus agenda and that that's what Trump is basically running on perhaps we could um, put up that link of the interview with Megyn Kelly because she actually talks about Paul Ryan with and without a beard and it is a fascinating and brilliant exchange about deer hunting (laughs) Brian let's let's run that clip right now a growing question tonight about the direction of the Republican Party and how Donald Trump managed to secure his second primary victory over the weekend in South Carolina. Some folks blame President Obama. Others think our next guest can claim credit for fueling Trump's rise, and he just so happens to be Speaker of the House. Congressman Paul Ryan is real. So there's a piece in The American Thinker where uh, the writer suggests that you have fueled Donald Trump's rise because you are tone deaf to the concerns of Republicans. For example, the budget bill that went through had no money for a border fence. It funded Obama's, quote, executive amnesty program. It allowed uh, funding for the refugee program. So they say, you don't get it. But we also got some very good conservative wins. We got very good pro-life riders. We got very good riders on the Internal Revenue Service. We got a lot of good conservative wins. You know and we how lifted pe- the people hear that and they say, oh, oil we're talking about compromise. We hate but, compromise. Is we believe we need to respect the country. Everything is up for grabs in 2016. Now the Supreme Court's up for grabs. Yeah. Congress is up for grabs. And the presidency is up for grabs. And so the question before us in 2016 is, are we going to reclaim a constitutional republic, or are we going to go down this path of having this liberal progressive welfare state that the President Obama has been building. What we're trying to do is get a 1980 type of election to get it. a mandate so we can fix this mess in 2017. Maybe the clean shave will help. I don't, I, we did a split screen. Check it out. See what you think. Oh, I right. don't know. So I'm a bow hunter and I grow a beard every deer season. Did uh, the deers find the beard more scary? I don't. I come from Wisconsin. It's cold. If you're sitting in a tree half the day. Oh, it's, it's for it's work. You know they have like scarves. I've now. heard of those. I've never tried one. <laughs> So there you go, Paul Ryan. He's um, he's a deer we, hunter. Yeah, deer hunter from Wisconsin. In case you uh, didn't know that, a bow hunter, I believe, actually. <laughs> well, I think Megyn Kelly's being very unfair. I mean, it is very hard to achieve the Freedom Caucus agenda because I don't know. I don't know if any American politician can suspend like the rules of science, like evolution, for example. <laughs> and you know, if you get down to it, it's really hard to achieve that. Uh, Oh, my, oh, my. Well, we will continue to watch both Trump, the Republicans, Paul Ryan, Ron Johnson. Canada looks better every single day. I do have a little Ron Johnson watch, a little tidbit, uh, because, you know, watching the right-wing media, he's being hailed for challenging uh, President Obama's rules around financial advisors. They're trying to do a fairly reasonable, a very reasonable thing that a lot of financial advisors are not working for you. They're bribed by someone to sell you annuities, and they make a lot of money if they get you into certain financial instruments. Say it ain't so. That don't make, that that aren't good for you at all. Well, these are rules that say that a financial advisor has to actually have a fiduciary responsibility to the person they're claiming to advise. Well, Ron Johnson says that this is going to reduce access to low-cost financial advice uh, for low and low and middle income people and that this is just an attack on access to financial advice as if you need charlatans trying to sell you some insurance product instead of take care of your meager retirement savings so that's that's my ron johnson watch for the week god robert you're so vile um <laughs> robert i have one before we move to uh, the weekend furlough 
I, we want to remind folks about the earned income tax credit. Um, this is actually really, really important for folks as you are probably in the process of filing your taxes, preparing to, or just uh, already in full procrastination mode. Um, but we want to make sure you're well aware a lot of folks are eligible for the earned income tax credit and uh, don't take advantage of it. And when that happens, a lot of, well, first of all, that worker loses uh, uh, money. You don't, you don't get that money back. And of course, that impacts our state and our local economies when that money's not coming back. So Robert, tell folks a little bit more about this. About 20% of the earned income tax credit, roughly, is not claimed. And that is a lot of money. In it fact, is. we should be thinking about the 80% as well, because that also confounds the conservative uh, adolescent view of the economy. So if you take Ouch. the 20% uh, in Wisconsin, it's 230 million uh, over that uh, dollars left on the table. So that is money that would go into the local economy when when workers low is making low income work pay have more money in their pockets. They buy things in their community. They buy food. They buy you know clothing for their kids and shoes and all the things that 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 people buy as necessities. And so that's all being taken out of the economy. So if we would if and so we're We've hold, held press events, had one in Eau Claire last week, have another one in the Milwaukee area this week uh, with, with major political uh, officials and mayors just to try to point out to people and get the word out uh, that you need to claim this tax credit, but also for us to understand uh, that, quite frankly, that means that there is over a billion dollars in, the, in, in Wisconsin of economic activity in local communities, which comes from the earning of tax credit. So when you hear right-wing politicians yelping about how they could get rid of everything we've ever done uh, in government over the years, they're talking about a massive hit upon local economies and on and 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 further economic depression in Wisconsin. So that's also important to understand because the one thing that gets the economy to grow is people having enough money in their pockets to afford the basics and spend in their communities. So Robert. When um, you're not spreading your vile hate speech of facts uh, this weekend, um, what are you doing this weekend? What's your furlough? Well, we do have a co-op general That's assembly. Right. Matt, we do. I so, will be there. So I assume that. Uh, well, the Grassroots North Shore is having its annual meeting, and I'm oh. offering up as usual a beer tasting with Robert Craig as a as, uh -oh. a, as a silent okay, auction. Okay. Whoa! Item. Whoa! That meeting just got really interesting. So, Robert, a little more Horowitz details about this. Into it on email, the place just, just got packed all of a sudden. Watch minimum out, Grassroots North Shore. Minimum bid starts at what? What is the minimum bid, Robert? Well, we're getting drinks with 10,000. <laughs> we've, we've gotten into the three figures in oh. previous years. And uh, at our silent auction, my book got over three figures. So I'm going to offer that up more often, too. <laughs> now that's vile. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so, and I... I will probably, I, Delano's volunteering Friday, so that's the beginning of the furlough, my darling nephew, and then he's working on a Citizen Action app, more details later, and then um, also Pitt is playing Duke in basketball. Oh, there Sunday. we go. All right. Take down the Dukies. Jorna, what are you doing this weekend? So I'm super excited because the weather is finally starting to turn, and I don't want to just sit in my house and be sad all the time and eat Nutella out of the jar with a spoon and drink red wine. Wait, sorry. Okay. Um, I'm going to spend a lot of quality time with everybody's two favorite Reno, horses. George. Reno and George. Plus, I started taking lessons and riding again at my childhood trainer's barn. And so I will be out there riding other horses as well while she totally kicks my ass and then I hurt because I'm old. 
you're right. It's supposed to be like 40? It's 50s. Weekend? 50s this 50s. weekend. And it was 60. That is a heat it was wave. 60 last Friday. It's, it's, um, it's very odd, but I will say it's making my house uh, incredibly sick. And uh, I'm glad Great. that we're finally coming out of the sick bay at the Brusky household. Uh, like Robert, I will be at the um, the cooperative uh, general meeting at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Any cooperative members, uh, make sure you attend that. Um, I'm actually uh, looking forward to seeing a movie and doing something with my wife. Um, I do want to uh, remind everyone, last weekend, uh, I mentioned that we had racing. It was excellent. Anyone who came out, we had almost 7,000 people. It was awesome. Uh, I want to thank Brian Woolridge, our producer, who brought his kids out and other folks. I saw a couple podcast listeners there, um, and it was a hell of a great time. Um, and we look forward to talking to you next week here at the Battleground Podcast. And as always, thank you, Brian Woolridge, for making this happen. See you next week. Oh, and thanks, Jeff Smith, for joining us. And it, by the way, if you're up in that western Wisconsin area, call Jeff, and we'll talk to you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.